1: It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. Empowerment, knowledge, live on less than what you make. That's what we're about on the Clark Howard Show. And so my job is to give you advice, answer questions, give you guidance, give my opinion, all with that being the goal in mind. And the information I give you, it's got to be information you can act on. So there are times you're listening, you're hearing me, you're thinking, oh, come on, Clark, that answer just didn't cut it, or my opinion just is off base or whatever. I don't need feedback from you on that. I don't, don't need you to have those thoughts in your own head. I need you to publish them. And that's why at Clark.com we have Clark Stinks, where you can let me know where I miss the market mark. And then others can react. To what you've said, and they can comment, and it gives an opportunity for me to learn. Once a week, our producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares them with you right here on the air.
2: I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You
1: should be
3: ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong.
2: Maybe you're right, pal.
3: All right, a couple of password app Clark stinks I'm going to share with you. Clark, I've been a faithful listener to your podcast for years and generally find your advice to be helpful and useful. But I was really burned by your advice to use Dashlane. It wiped out all my passwords, and an old email account is now unrecoverable. All the other passwords were just annoying to recover, but some, like the email account, were impossible. That includes, by the way, the password for your message board so I could post this. I had to... Re-register with a new username and password, expletive deleted. I am certain a good portion of this is user error, but this is really has potential for a huge waste of time. And I'm not even sure how much hassle with that email address, now that the email address is gone. I'm so frustrated. I couldn't even think about a creative or humorous way to say Clark Stinks, Jay in St. Louis, And I'll read the second one real quick about password managers. Hi, Clark. First, let me start by saying I do not think you stink. Love your podcast and other resources. I do think you could do better with your password manager recommendation of Dashlane and LastPass. Both of these password managers store your data online and both charge a monthly or yearly fee. Any data that is stored online is vulnerable to hacking. Instead, I use two local password managers. My data is stored locally through although both offer options to sync online. They also have options to sync over your home network, which is the option I use. KeePass, K-E-E-Pass, is a free open source password manager, and eWallet by Ilium Software is a one-time purchase for $10 for mobile devices and 20 for a Windows PC. There's no monthly or yearly fee. Both are excellent programs, and since data is stored locally, more secure. Shelly.
1: I, I want to first address the dash lane. I've not heard a complaint like that about Dashlane and I'm really sorry about the fact that trying to protect yourself ended up being an ultra hassle factor for you so I'm sorry I wasted so much of your time on the issue of storing locally again and again we've had posts for various things I've talked about that go back to the core of not storing things in the cloud because you create a secondary vulnerability when you're trying to eliminate a vulnerability in the first place. So will you name those two uh, things that you store locally instead of in the cloud again? Because I'm not familiar with either of them.
3: KeePass, K-E-E-Pass is one, and then the other one is eWallet. All
1: right, I appreciate those suggestions. Now, this is an area where um, I know... A decent amount, but probably enough just to be dangerous. And having suggestions from people who've walked down this path and are very knowledgeable about technology is really helpful. So anyone else, if you have specific suggestions about how best to protect your online identity that you want to share with others, please post that.
3: Clark answered a Clark Stinks about selling used CDs. The answer was correct as far as it went, i.e. it's not a copyright violation to sell used CDs. But I remember that the call that prompted the stink, and I remember wondering why Clark didn't bring up copyright issues at the time. As I recall, the caller said he wanted to sell his CDs because he'd already made digital copies of the content and didn't need the originals anymore. If you buy a CD, you have the right to make your personal copies for your own use. If you transfer ownership of the CD, you give up the right to keep those personal copies." Nobody's ever likely to be prosecuted for it, but legally and ethically, it's a copyright violation.
1: Thank you for posting that. And let me tell you an annex to it that stunned me. I had no idea till I read two reports recently that the music industry is still having an enormous problem with pirating, where people are stealing music they're not paying for. And that was a problem that I thought was gone because of... Pandora, Spotify, Apple Music and the rest where you have for either for free with commercials with some of them or with you paying a monthly fee, you have a, essentially an unlimited library of music and if you pay a fee of some kind, you have both online and offline ability to play music. I didn't know people still stole music.
3: Clark, you recently stated that money in your retirement account should be well diversified. Quoting you verbatim, well diversified. What that means in simple English is that having money in a variety of stocks, not your employer's own. In fact, the percent I like to have in an employer's own stock in a 401k is 0%. This was good advice until the part about not having any 401k money in an employer's own stock. There is nothing wrong with having some money in an employer's own stock, especially if you work for a stable company or a blue chip company listed on the S&P or Dow Jones. 0% is actually too conservative eliminating any risk when especially young workers should be taking on some limited risk.
1: Thank you, and let me respond to that. So I'm really strident about not having employer stock in your retirement plan because a lot of people uh, have um, an issue with investing where if employer stock is offered, in a 401k people go way too much all in with the employer stock i have to be really really stark and strident with that to get people's attention because people feel like oh i work here i know everything's great it's going to be wonderful to have my retirement and my employer stock but that's too many eggs in one basket because you're also getting a paycheck from that employer and you never know when a company finds it's lost its way look at One of the bluest of blue chips, General Electric, that is in so much financial trouble now. And if people working for GE very heavily put GE stock in their retirement plan, they have way too much risk involved. I'll say this. If you really feel a strong sense of loyalty to where you work, and company stock is one of the options, you can put in up to 10% of your 401k in company stock just so you feel like you're showing that loyalty, but no more than that. But my preference still remains zero.
3: Your advice was less than stellar and certainly not complete about building a home, and I needed to head upwind as a result. I had a uh-huh. great experience building a home, although I hired a general contractor. My brother is an architect and designed the home and provided excellent blueprints from just a few photos I provided. I asked him to act as general contractor, and he immediately declined. He said it would be impossible for him to get the best subcontractor since he lived in another state. And one bad subcontractor can be a huge headache for a homeowner. He suggested I identify a locally owned and independent lumber yard and construction supply store, not one of the chain stores, that had been around for a long time. He said call them and ask for the general manager, or even better, the owner, for a reference for a good GC. He said they will know who pays their bills on time, who does good work, buys the cheap supplies or the good stuff who has a good crew who has a good reputation etc i got a reference there and my general contractor did a great job
1: that is a fantastic post and thank you for sharing it's funny when i talk to people who have actually built their own home usually when i ask people if they would do it again the answer is flat out no in your case, it worked out very well, and I love the methodical process that your uh, brother, the architect, recommended.
3: We recently had an article on, on uh, Clark.com called Why You Should Beware of Sharing a Bank Account with an Elderly Parent, and this post is about that. I share a checking account with my elderly father. Why? I collect SSDI benefits, and my father is my representative payee.
1: So you have a, a unusual circumstance that— Makes that make sense. Normally, though, there are risks, as we described in the story, about sharing an account with an elderly relative, and the risk can go either way on that.
3: Clark, saving money by doing it yourself is an admirable goal. I'm sp- in speaking to callers about drafting wills, I've heard you discuss using software or an online service to draft a will. However, legal documents, especially wills, are not an area in which saving money is paramount. Getting it right is what counts. First, a computer program is no substitute for the advice of a competent attorney. A competent attorney will ask questions of the client, draft a will that will meet the needs of the client, and explain the will in simple terms so that the client can understand the document. While computers can draft a will that includes the results of a questionnaire, computers are not yet capable of doing, of doing, of providing advice tailored to the needs of a client or explaining their work. Second, unlike a computer or online service, the attorney will watch the client notary and witnesses execute the will to make sure the will is properly done if a will is not properly executed as required by state law the document will be invalid this problem is surprisingly common as many people are not very good at reading understanding or following instructions also the average person is not going to recognize their mistakes due to lack of knowledge and experience of the of an attorney as a result the problem with execution of computer generated document wills probably will not be discovered until the executor attempts to file the will of the courthouse after the testator has died. The clerk at the courthouse will probably catch the error and will reject an invalidly executed will. At this point, it's impossible to fix it. Clark, your advice on using software online services to generate will is a bit stinky.
1: Thank you very much for that post. And that is consistent with posts that we've had from lawyers over the years. Whenever I've talked about using Willmaker or using LegalZoom to prepare a will, so uh, you got to see it from my perspective. I can't get most people to even consider going to see a lawyer to do a will. When I talk about who should always see a lawyer to do a will, it's people who have decent amount of money, complicated family situation, blended family, um, anything, uh, your own business. There are a lot of reasons you never want to do your own will. For others, at the very least, by doing your own will, particularly if you have minor children, you can account for who you want to raise them. I can't dispute anything you said, but what I face is trying to get people to even think about and do a will in the first place. I appreciate all your posts. Please go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and let me know where I'm missing the mark and I can serve you better. Jennifer joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Jennifer, you work for the big phone company. I do. And I'm
0: 31. Almost 31.
1: Okay, and this I is want... so funny. You work for a phone company and you keep distorting on me on the phone oh, call. Oh, I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. Can you so, hear me okay? I
1: hear you perfectly now. <laughs> okay.
0: Oh, what a I hope you can hear me through the whole call.
1: All right. Go right ahead.
0: So I've worked for uh, almost 31 years, and I'm 51 years old, and I want to retire and leave the company. So I will have two options um, I can choose from. One is a lump sum of $505,000.
1: Say and I, what?
0: How much? Yeah, 505000 That would be my lump sum they would give me to use for the rest of my life. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it doesn't seem like enough since I'm only 51, but I I could also the other option is a monthly annuity that I would get until I die, and um, before taxes, it's twenty two seventy a month. Wow! So right. So if I live to even be 85, that twenty two seventy a month is a whole lot more money than five hundred five thousand.
1: Exactly, and that's why I have a preference most of the time that people take the monthly payment instead of taking the lump sum, because it's so hard for us as individuals to figure out how to invest that money and get a decent return on it. This way, the whole purpose of it is for you not to outlive your money. So if they're going to send you a check every month for as long as you live, that seems like a really great thing for me now a lot of financial people will say "Way, i can handle this for you i can be your hero and jennifer i'm gonna invest that money and you're gonna have just millions that i'm gonna come up for you you know for you but the truth is that this is the easy button to just get the check every month for as long as you live
0: well the reason people don't like it is because if i die then my family doesn't have it. Right. And the company keeps it or just stops giving it to me and them, but I have life insurance on myself to check that
1: block right. so
0: that they wouldn't, they wouldn't have nothing.
1: Right. People, um, people they, refuse to take monthly payments, usually, for the exact reason you just said. What happens if I get hit by a bus the day after I decide? And it's like, well, you're not going to know you got hit by the bus. Right. Yeah. You plan for the fact that you are in your fifties. How healthy would you say you are? Pretty healthy. I don't have any
0: medical conditions. And
1: how long do women tend to live in your family line?
0: My mother's still alive. She's in her 80s. My dad is still alive. He's in his 80s. My grandmother lived to be 104.
1: Okay, you answered the question for me. You win the lottery. You take the monthly payout and know that that's going to be there for you. And forget the lump sum. We do have a briefing on Clark.com done by a really wise financial guy named Wes. If you want to see his formula, you can look at that. But the scenario you painted, the longevity in your family, take the monthly check. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. It is so amazing what it's like now with flying, with airlines trying to feed you for everything, especially for bags, and you can have a bag that is a fraction of an inch larger than what an airline allows, and they're going to tear your wallet apart, charge you all kinds of fees. So as I shared with you a few months ago, when my daughter was headed off to college, we flew on Southwest because bags are free. You can check two bags each person free, and so we were able to cart all her stuff off to college. And so I was meticulously using a tape measure to make sure we met total inches and for each dimension and all that. And gosh, it was really kind of a pain to make sure that the bags were okay. And with carry-ons, you have to deal with that. With Spirit, Frontier, and Allegiant, if you go uh, just an nth of an inch over, suddenly they're going to charge you 100 bucks potentially at the gate for your micro carry-on being too large. So now Kayak has a new feature that will actually figure out if your bag is A-OK for whoever it is you're flying. And it only works right now for certain iPhones, no Android version yet, but with it, You can just, with your iPhone, take the camera, uh, well, the Kayak app, and it takes a digital image of the luggage, calculates the dimensions, and then will be able to tell you, yes or no, you're okay with that bag. Now, I know this drives people crazy, but whenever there's an issue When I fly Allegiant Frontier Spirit, I always take a black trash bag with me, so if they reject my carry-on, I will abandon the carry-on suitcase and put my possessions in the black trash bag. And that was not original with me. I saw it happen at a Spirit gate where somebody was prepared and put their things in into the trash bag avoided the hundred dollar gate check fee and just carried on their stuff in the black trash bag and so i'm always prepared you know boy scout motto always be prepared right so i'm prepared and isn't it funny that that's where we are the strangest thing though is it's hard to tell who's a full fare airline and who's a discount airline anymore and how they treat you with the baggage Because United does that same junk with most of their coach passengers that you aren't allowed to put something in the overhead bin anymore on what they call basic economy. And so all the baggage fees are huge revenue for all the airlines except Southwest. And so it's all about you buy the ticket and that only buys you the privilege to be charged fees for Anything else you want to do, seat assignments, whatever. But at least you don't want to get to the airport and find out your bag is too big. And all I got to say to Kayak, most people are on Androids. Come up with a version that works for Android. Charlene's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Charlene. Hi, Clark. Charlene, you got a question for your son. What's going on with him?
0: He graduated college in May and his first student loan payment is due in November. He has three subsidized student loans, which total nearly $11,000. He's never had any credit other than these loans, and his credit score is 652. He has the money to pay those in full now, but what's the best course of action um, to positively impact his credit score? Should he pay it off in full or over time? And it's so, how long?
1: So, you said he's at a 652. Yes. Which may be enough of a score for him to get a low limit uh, traditional Visa or MasterCard or Discover card. So, I'd like him to do that regardless of where we talk next about these three subsidized student loans. Okay. And I wished he or you would have called me before he graduated because then it's really easy to get a credit card. Okay. But Is he a member of any credit union? He is. All right. I'd like him to go to the credit union and instead of applying straight online for a credit card, talk face-to-face with one of the loan officers and see what the likelihood is he'll be approved for a small limit visa or MasterCard. All right. And if that doesn't get it done if they're like "Mm, not quite there at the 650 where you are the next thing would be to potentially try a low limit card with discover all right and if all traditional channels fail i'd like him to try something called pedal card p-e-t-a-l card.com and it's a non-traditional issuer of traditional visa cards and see if he can get one from them. All right. On the student loans, with um, federally subsidized student loans, the interest rates now that he's going to be paying and when he would have graduated from school, those loans are at pretty low rates, aren't they?
0: Yes, yeah, about 4% or less.
1: So that's really lucky. You know, people taking out student loans now, federally subsidized or unsubsidized, are paying higher rates as interest rates have gone up. So his timing was good. And the 11 represents his entire student loan debt? Yeah, That's fantastic. He's a very good student. Well, that is great. So if he has cash, he could pay them off, but uh, at the interest rates they have, there may be other priorities. Like what kind of things is he having to do right now? Like is he having to go rent an apartment? Uh, Is he needing transportation? Like, what's going on in his life, let's say, in the next 18 months to two years?
0: He's still at home, so he's enjoying um, being rent-free for right now, Um, and transportation is taken care of, so he does not have those expenses right now.
1: Hmm. What point are you going to charge him rent? (laughs) Maybe soon. (laughs) Even, Even a token amount of rent, I think, is good for somebody to be paying who's now graduate and has a job yes yeah so um, i think that's that's good and i hope you've set ground rules for him <laughs> yes okay all right you can tell i'm a parent of of kids who've been through this right <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. uh, so if there's nothing specifically that he's trying to save up for or anything like that and he's got the funds four percent even Just go ahead and and, uh, encourage him to wipe out the student loan debt. Okay. And be, uh, you know, he's starting off in a new job, finishing college, being totally debt-free will be wonderful. Great. Uh, But before he pays them off, before he pays Uh them off, I want him to make sure he can get one of these credit cards. Okay. I will do that. And then blow through the student loans and he'll be good. Mosley is with us on the clark howard show hi how you doing
4: good afternoon clark
1: how can i serve you today
4: three things clark number one i heard about your health care so i'm glad to hear that you're back to health and serving
1: oh well thank you uh, somehow the fact that i had rhabdomyelosis has just reemerged. i don't know if if it popped up did you see it on the web or something i Could, did because several people have mentioned it again just recently, and that was um, a year and a half ago, and it was it was a pretty scary thing for a while, but I'm fully healthy again, thank you.
4: <laughs> good deal. Um, secondly, uh, I've been listening to you for a while, I've been following some of your, your advice, and right now I have a 800 plus credit score with all three agencies, so thanks for putting out that good information.
1: You know that makes your score higher than mine. <laughs> you just checked well, mine recently and you're you're above me right now.
4: Well, I still need to get to that that net revenue that where you're at, so <laughs> yeah, you're, you got to be there. Okay. Um, but my question is this. Um, I have about $20,000 left on a car loan. Um, I have some credit cards with pretty high limits on them. One of them uh, would take care of most of that loan, so I was considering doing a balance transfer to get the interest down to zero while paying that off, and I wanted to get your advice on that.
1: So you can do a zero balance transfer, no 4% fee for doing the balance transfer?
4: There's like a three percent transfer fee, but no interest for a certain amount of time after that.
1: So you got like eighteen months, zero percent interest. Oh, right, right. Would you be able to wipe out twenty grand in eighteen months?
4: No, but my plan was to follow that process again, and you know, and when that time, when that zero percent um, time that uh, that promo APR is up, to just do that transfer again.
1: How long do you think it would take you to take out the twenty thousand?
4: Um, if I pay it at its current rate, it would be four years so I would say less I would shoot for two.
1: Okay because I'm trying to gauge what's the best idea what is the interest rate you have on the car loan uh, five point nine which is not a terrible rate. is that issued by a car dealer, a bank or a credit union uh bank okay are you a member of a credit union I am. with your credit score a credit union may take that loan out at two point something percent Okay. and, and that would be better than you doing the zero percent transfer paying the three percent fee up front and knowing that a clock's going to tick and it, whenever the zero percent runs out you got to try to figure out how to do something else again. I'd rather it be simple. And if you were to take the 20000 on the car loan and go into, let's say, a two- or three-year car loan refi with a credit union, you may get a rate low enough that that'll just work for you.
4: I'd consider that.
1: Yeah, credit unions do a big business in refiing car loans because roughly um, somewhere three-quarters to 80% of people finance a vehicle at the dealer, and the dealers mark them up and stuff. So credit unions pretty easily can refi somebody into a significantly lower rate usually than what they've got in the loan they originally took out buying the vehicle.
4: That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'll definitely look into that. I'll be a touch with my credit union today.
1: And see, since you've got this, what's known as a golden credit score, once you're above 800, It's known as a golden score. You probably will have people at the credit union saying, hey, how about we borrow some money from you, (laughs) Mosley? They can always ask. (laughs) Because you got it so together. That is phenomenal. That's fantastic to have such a great credit score. So good for you. That comes with how you handle money over time, and you've obviously handled money beautifully.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hi, Clark. Thank you so much for
5: taking my call. It Um, is my pleasure. um, I love listening to you. Um, I have a question on flood insurance. Uh, I'm getting ready to purchase a home that is absolutely going to require that I get flood insurance. And I thought that the only option available was government flood insurance. But... um, The insurance carrier that I'm getting insurance um, from gave me the option of private flood insurance, and I didn't know how that compared to governmental insurance and if it's something I should even
1: consider. So private flood insurance is only a backstop if you're buying a very expensive dwelling that you need a backstop beyond the federal flood insurance program. The federal flood insurance program is subsidized by your fellow taxpayers... And so the first dollar loss, you want to go against the Federal Flood Insurance Program. And uh, it's really simple to buy it. It, There's a website that explains everything about the federal program at FloodSmart.gov. And for homes that the structure itself, you know, net of land, you don't consider the land that have... um, uh, a value of a quarter million dollars or less. Okay. You're fully covered by the federal flood insurance policy. How much okay. is this home you're buying likely worth?
5: Um, I, I, it will be covered for like three hundred thousand dollars.
1: Okay, so you could. I mean, you got. You have a situation you could stack additional private flood insurance on top. In the in the situation where this house is that you're buying, would a flood create a total loss of the house? Is it multi story? Like what's this it, looking it, like?
5: It is a one story house, but it is a second home at the beach.
1: Okay. So So I so have I, I'm the same situation as you, Susan. Okay. I have a second home at the beach. And I have a homeowner's policy, I have a windstorm policy, and those are both private. Okay. I have the federal flood insurance for the 250, and then I have private flood insurance for the excess. Okay. So it's right. much more gotcha. complicated. And with a second home, I should tell you, uh, you and I don't get the same subsidy that people do with a primary residence. Okay. And I think that's just as it should be. I mean, why should right. why should our fellow taxpayers be subsidizing us to the Hilt when it's okay. uh, you know, when it's a second home? But it is generally cheaper to have the first quarter million under the federal program and in your case you'd have potentially a little supplement of a private policy.
5: Okay. And may I ask a follow up question, is there any um differentiation from having a separate wind policy from the homeowners versus a combined policy or is it just
1: well generally what they do is uh is it would be from the same insurer but insurers charge you a premium separate for the windstorm what they usually call windstorm
5: okay all right
1: that's great and one thing you should know get ready for the joys of having a place on the water, which is great, but know that there will often be a larger deductible on that policy when it's a name storm.
5: Okay. Yes. Yep. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for the information.
1: I really appreciate it. Sure. And let's hope no floods, no hurricanes, nothing come near this home of yours for many, many, many years to come. Absolutely. Thank you. Sure. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.